0: Well, if you would turn with me to the book of Job, chapter four. So last week we we kind of left off uh, with Job and his three friends and uh, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, and uh, they did a few things right. I think the first seven days they didn't say a word. That was probably the right thing at that point. And uh, but this week we'll look at chapter. We're going to kind of look at some things in chapter four, five, six, and seven. And uh, but. We're going to talk about helping a hurting friend. We all know people that hurt at times. Uh, Sometimes we're not the one hurting, and those are blessed times. Those are encouraging times when we're the ones that aren't uh, facing the trials. But oftentimes, the Lord puts us in the path of friends or others that are hurting. And so we got a couple things this morning that would help us to be a blessing to those folks, hopefully. And so we'll look at a few thoughts on how to help a hurting friend. So as I mentioned, we, we left Job with his three friends last week, and, and uh, we kind of, so in chapter 2, verse 13, it says, So they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. And so there was something substantial taking place in Job's life. Uh, this wasn't just, you know, my car broke down today problem. This was a significant trouble, a significant difficulty in his life loved ones are dead possessions are gone and, and really humanly speaking when we look at all there's nothing on earth left for me and and then in chapter three we know that uh in verse one it says after this job opened his mouth and we kind of talked about some of those and it says he cursed his day he would rather not be alive because of what he was facing he was he was really distressed And so we we kind of talked about that a little bit, but chapter 4 opens up in verse 1, it says, then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, and so now it says, encouraging friends have come uh, to share some wisdom with him. And what I will preface all of this with is we need to be careful what we say. Words have meaning, words uh, affect people. And I, I, I always do this, but I'm getting ahead of my lesson. Um, sometimes you're just better off keeping your mouth shut. Because the reality is you don't know what's taking place in a person's life. As, As we looked at in weeks past, there was things going on in the presence of God, the sons of God, and Satan had come. Eliphaz wasn't privy to this. So as we'll look at this morning, he makes some assumptions about Job's lot, or his position in life, he makes the assumption he's in sin. And uh, so listen, be careful about making assumptions. Right. Sometimes we look at the outward situation somebody's going in, and we automatically make the assumption, and we assume that they're doing wrong. They're not right with God. Uh, and that's not always the case. Um. What you say? <laughs> I've already forgotten about it. If it comes from Lisa, I just forget it. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm glad we can have fun. But Eliphaz, he starts to do some rationalizations here. He shares with Job what he thinks is taking place in his life. And uh, Job's friends, uh, they, they sat grieving with him and listening to him. And finally, Eliphaz opens up here in, in chapter 4. And, and look at, let's read verse, down through verse 4 in, in chapter 4. And then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, If we assay uh, to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholded that which was uh, falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. Let's keep reading. Uh, but now it uh, come upon thee... But now it is come upon thee, and thou faintest. It toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. And uh, this, this is so interesting because we always... And look at the accusation here. Boy, you've been an encouragement. You've helped other people. But here you are going through it, and, and you're just quitting. Uh, you're being a complainer about it. Um, <clears throat> and of course, he, he opens it up. Will you be patient and let me speak? But... Um, Verse 5, but now it has come upon thee and thou faintest. It touched thee and thou art troubled. He said, boy, you've been an encouragement to all these other people. Now all of a sudden you go through something. Listen, this was a big deal. I mean, the gall of this person to come to you and say, well, boy, you've been an encouragement to others and you've strengthened others. And now, boy, you're going through this and you're going to faint. He lost everything. And he was stricken physically. And Job, he's really telling Job, you're not practicing what you preach. We're so quick to point out people's flaws. Listen, do you guys understand Job was human? He was hurting. He's human. There's challenges here. And so now this guy comes to him, hey, you you can't even practice what you preach. Sometimes we all fail to begin with, right? But the, what what kind of encouragement is that? Listen here, buddy. Why don't you just practice what you preach? Uh, he was better off the first seven days he was there, keeping his mouth shut, right? You can talk the talk, but you can't walk the walk. Goodness. Then in verse 6, he, he asked Job if if since he... He fears or or reveres God, shouldn't that give him confidence? And shouldn't his integrity give him hope? Uh, So really, in other words, if you are living a good life, you have nothing to to fear because God always blesses the righteous and punishes the wicked. And here in verse 7, he rationalizes here. It says, remember, I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent or where were the righteous cut off? He's saying, does God, God only does this to the wicked. God's not punishing the righteous like this. Are you picking up what I'm putting down here this morning? I mean, it's right there in chapter 7, or verse 7. He's making the assumption that Job has got to be in sin because God only treats people that are in wickedness this way. God only allows these things. But I want to take you back to chapters 1. Earlier in the book, God has permitted everything that has taken place in Job's life. is not fun. Whether it's physical pain, I don't like physical pain. I stuck my hand in a snowblower one time. Thankfully, I still have, my, if you look at my left hand, you can notice it's a little goofy. But thankfully, I still have all my digits. But it hurt. I didn't like it. Nobody likes to go through pain. The great pain of losing everything in life, I can't imagine. I don't know if there's anybody in this room that can really totally relate to what Job's going through. The great distress and and loss. And, And even more than that, can you imagine how far he feels from God? Because the thought of the day is, God only treats the wicked like this. And how distant God must have felt. Because God's hand was turned against him. God had allowed these afflictions. Uh, He's in a bad way, we would say. And so Eliphaz is just, listen, we don't need people to point that out when we're struggling. Boy, I know you're hurting. And by the way, God only allows this to wicked people. Listen, I guarantee you, people probably understand that. I know in my life when things aren't going well, I'm like, Lord, what have I done? Lord, reveal to me. But the reality is God doesn't just bring those things in our life or allow those things in our life because of sin. He allows those things in our life because he's working in us and drawing us near to him. Listen, when you go through troubles and trials, how much more do you cry out to God? Cindy and I were talking when she got home yesterday. The longer I walk with Christ, the more I realize it's about a relationship. Everybody wants the quick, what do I do? How do I act? Do this, don't do that. But the reality is it's about walking with God and having a relationship with Him. It's not a bunch of do's or don'ts. And so, and listen, our God understands that. And so what does he do? He allows things in our life. Listen, he allows good things in our life to draw him nearer to us himself. Right? When God blesses you, praise God. And, and you you thank him for that and, and, and you draw near to him, but he also allows the opposite. He allows difficulty. Listen, he allows death. He allows sickness to draw us near to him. One of my prayers, whenever I hear that somebody's sick and they don't know Christ, is hey, they need to be drawn closer to the Lord. Because they need Christ, God, please work in this situation to draw them to yourself. It's hard; it's difficult, but God's working. Maybe a friend should say that, but not in these words that Eliphaz is using. And he gives this hair-raising experience. If you read this chapter, um, you've seen it. He talks about the hair raising up, and uh, there. Uh, I think in, in verse fifteen or something like that, if I remember right. Yeah, my flesh and stood and it stood still, but I could not discern from where an image was before me. There was silence and I heard a voice that showed mortal man. Ah, no, that's not it. I didn't see it there. Oh, fifteen it is. Then the spirit passed by Oh, and the hair of my flesh stood up. Yeah, see. I did study. Um <laughs> But when you get up here it doesn't always seem like it. <laughs> so But he shares this hair-raising experience, which he had a vision that frightened him. And and while he was in a deep sleep, uh, the spirit goes past his face and causes the hair to stand up. Uh, He can see a form that can't uh, tell what it is. The spirit speaks in a whisper and asks if a mortal man can be pure before his maker. How can God trust people in houses of clay if he has no trust in his angelic host? And so Eliphaz here reasons that mortals are alive in the morning and dead in the evening, perishing while no one notices. Uh, He pictures their bodies as temporary tents that fold up and are without wisdom because an entire life is not enough to grasp God's wisdom. Uh, Listen, the point here is ungodly complainers provoke God's wrath. He's giving Job a hard time. Uh, Based on his life experience, Eliphaz has a second argument for his reasoning in chapter five. uh, In in chapters or chapter five, verses one through six, Eliphaz implies that Job is acting foolishly. Uh, What what does he say in verse verse seven? Let's read those verses in uh, chapter five, one through six. It says, Call now if there be any that will answer thee, into which of the saints wilt thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root, and suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety, and they are crushed in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them. Whose harvest the hungry eateth up, and eateth it even out of the thorns, and of the robber swalloweth up their substance. Although affliction cometh not forth out of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. And look what it says here. Yet man is born unto trouble, and the sparks fly upward. Listen, sorrow and tragedy are a part of life. And life can often feel like a grindstone. It can grind us down or it can sharpen us. Uh, the sparks fly upward, it says. And uh, <clears throat> you, I know you've heard the term, it will make you bitter or better. The challenges of life. And amid adversity, some people uh, become more loving and more compassionate. Those are people I like being around. They're better than me. When things get hard, I tend to get pretty gruff. If you come to the DeGarmo house, you'll see sometimes when I'm having a hard day, I'm not the the peach of a guy to be around. (laughs) Lord, help me. I want to be different. I want to, but there are, I'll be, I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes when the grind of life keeps going, sometimes I'm not the friendliest guy, even to my wife. And she's so sweet and cooks me food. There's others that the grind of life makes them harsh and angry. Listen, when you're going through the challenges, we just need to look to God. We just need to trust Him. It is not what happens to us that determines what kind of people we will be, but how we react to what happens that makes all the difference. It's how we respond. Someone said this, the same sun that hardens clay also melts butter. Why is it that the same cause produces different effects? The reason is the reaction of the substance. This is especially true when applied to humans. We are different from clay or butter because we have a choice in how we react to adversity and suffering. We have no control over what happens to us, but we can control our reactions. We decide whether the bad things that happen to us in life make us better or bitter. We went to a youth rally over in uh, Gillette. It's been a couple years ago. And uh, Pastor Clem was talking to the teens about their responsibility in their reaction. And it was just this. You can't control what happens to you, but you're responsible for your reaction. You're responsible for your response, I believe is what he said. And in in verses 8 through 17, Eliphaz reveals uh, he believes all of Job's problems are a result of Job's sins. He just kind of makes it straight here. Uh, And how does he, look at verse 17 in chapter 5. He makes it pretty simple. He says, behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. He's saying, God's correcting you. Uh, God's trying to get your attention, Job. And uh, that word almighty is used 31 uh, times in in the book. Um, But Eliphaz kind of wraps everything up and and he's urging Job to repent, uh, to get right with God. Can you imagine how Job must have felt to have someone imply that the loss of all of his wealth and, and the loss of all of his children was God's discipline for his sin? We know what God says of Job, do we not? He was living right. He was living the way God wanted him to live. I believe Job was walking with him. And so your friend comes to you and says, you need to get right with God, Job. These things wouldn't be happening in your life if you didn't have sin. You just need to get right with God. The Almighty It's chastening you. God is working your life. What an encouragement. Because you're on the flip side of that. In distress, sackcloth and ashes, trying to go through this, knowing that you've been doing all that you can to walk with God. That's not the kind of friend we ought to be. Listen, don't rationalize what you think's going on in somebody's life because you really have no idea. Amen. You'll make assumptions. You'll say, Well, I've seen this before, and it may have been true before. It might even be true now, but it doesn't mean you need to say it. Amen. You're not the Holy Spirit. Allow God to do the convicting. Allow God to do the work. But let's look at what Job really needs. Job reveals his disappointment with his friends in, in chapter six. Um but Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief were thoroughly weighed and my calamity laid in the balances together, as he opens up chapter 6 here. Uh, though only Eliphaz has spoken, uh, it would appear that Bildad and, and, and uh, Zephor agree uh, with this. They've affirmed it with their silence, if nothing else. Uh, they didn't speak up and say anything contrary. I don't think they truly understand the, the torment of his suffering nor the bitterness that he would rightfully but temporarily feel. Listen, God understands our difficulties. God under, did you know God understands your feelings? So when he allows affliction, distress, trouble in your life, he knows the emotions that you have and the feelings that you have, and he will understand your response. He's not, And by the way, our Savior went through it just like we did. In all points, like as we are. Our God understands this. And so, thankfully, Job, it was temporary, but um, Job's burden is so heavy, he says his grief could be weighed and his troubles put on balances or scales, they would be heavier than the sand of the sea. I went through some difficult times, but I don't know if I could say that. Uh, I felt some weight in my life at times but I don't think I could feel the the full weight of what Job is experiencing here. And so Job, I think, is not wrong in his response. Some people may say it's rash and reckless, what he would say. I think he's just revealing how he feels. Sometimes that's good for us. Listen, uh, back to it being a relationship. God understands you. God understands your troubles. Listen, there's... I spoke with somebody this morning. I'll be careful, but I'm not, it has nothing to do with our conversation. It was already thought about. But some of the best prayer I've ever had in my life was me just saying, God, I don't know. What do I do? It hurts, it's hard. And you know what? He's never let me down. And I can't explain it all. But I know that the peace that the Holy Spirit can send in the most difficult times that I've ever faced in my life, I don't know how I would have got through life without it. Listen, our God understands. And so there's nothing wrong, I think, for Job to to say some of these things. Boy, it's heavy, God. Boy, I I don't even want to live right now. And that's hard to say. It's difficult, but our God understands that. He understands our challenges. Don't ever forget, your God understands you. Job 6 and 5, it says this it says, Doth the wild ass bray when he hath grass or loweth the ox over his fodder. Job is claiming the right to bray. He says, Listen, I, I don't have the thing, I don't have the provisions, I don't have the things like the ox. And the ass they're they 're not complaining when they 're there, we got chickens now, and they 're nuts <laughs> every morning them things them hens are clucking and clucking and clucking they want scratch they it 's like a dog with a treat they know our dog knows where the treats are in the pantry, and he 'll go to the pantry and be like, "Hey, am I going to get one of those' it's the, the same with the chickens listen they 're clucking clucking because they want something they want to eat. Listen, job is in a position in life where he is afforded. I, I, w- I would say, I don't know if it sounds right, but the right to do a little belly aching, not against God, not accusing God, not blaming God, but saying, "Lord, I'm in distress." And when you think of this, when it says, "Well the wild ash bray when he hath grass or loweth the ox over his fodder, listen, they're not doing that when they have their provisions. they're doing that when it's not there. Job is not experiencing the presence of God in his life right now. You know how hard that would be? And challenging that is. Listen, take some time and, and pray. Take some time and read your word, but you don't feel like God's there. Cry out to him, and say, God, I'm just, God, I need you. God, I want you. Help me, Lord. He understands that. And, and so I think he's just claiming the right to, to be uh, complaining a little bit, like the donkey or, or the bellow of the ox, uh, deprived of their, their provisions. Uh, listen, Job is starving for understanding and expressions of compassion. And again, no doubt God feels far off to him. He, he's going through it. And so Eliphaz gives him a little tasteless dish of rassalinization. He wants the provisions of God. He wants the comfort of his Lord. And here his friend is, is just giving him some rationalizations. Yeah, get right with God. But Job's going, I've done everything I thought I knew what to do. I feel weak, help me. So he serves up just some rationalizations. That's not a good friend. <laughs> it really just makes his friend feel worse. It compounds Job's difficulties and troubles at this point. Job doesn't need a lecture. He doesn't need a brief course of theology on how God works. The man walks with God. Did we, did we not see that? I think he understands how God works. Listen, sometimes I think in our friendship, in our in our often good intentions to help people, We just serve up the generic basic answer. And I'm afraid it's because we're not walking with God and we're not Holy Spirit-filled, and so we're not able to (coughs) encourage and support somebody like they really need it. We're just giving them the generic Bible answer because we know that's the right thing to say. Job, you need to get right with God. Lord, help us to walk with God that we might be a help to our friends that aren't experiencing that close walk with God at that moment. Because don't forget, God hasn't forsaken them. God's just allowing them to go through it. And again, I want to encourage you to be in church. That's why we're here, to encourage one another. Listen, sometimes we're not having the best day. Sometimes we're not having... Listen, the, the day that you're not feeling like going to church is the most important day for you to go to church. Because the person here might be able to give you a little, a little kick to get you going. A kind kick, a gentle kick. A friendly kick. We don't need to give people lectures and and try to... Now, there's a time and a place for those things. Don't misunderstand me. But instead, he just needs a friend to weep when he's weeping. Uh, To show some pity, some kindness, uh, some gentleness to him. Uh, Kindness is just love with work clothes on, someone once said. Kindness is love with work clothes on. Ephesians 4.32, we're commanded to be kind to one another. 1 Corinthians says, charity is kind. Kindness is love in action. Job, look at verse 15 in chapter 6. If he would, these are he. He describes his friends here. It says, "My brethren have dealt deceitfully as a brook, and as the stream of brooks they pass away, which are blackish by reason of ice, and wherein the snow is hid. Uh, What time they wax warm, they vanish. When it is hot, they are consumed out of their place. The paths of their way are uh, turned aside. They go to nothing and perish." Boy, what a description! Uh, they're like streams that have no water. They have given him no help. Uh, what a friend. He implies they are afraid if they comfort them him, that, that God may punish them as well. But look at verse 24. And this is Job's reply to Eliphaz, just to make sure you're, you're tracking that. I don't know if I said it, but it says, Teach me and I will hold my tongue. And caused me to understand where i have erred how forcible excuse me <clears throat> how forcible are right words but what doth your arguing reprove do you imagine to reprove words and the speeches of one that is desperate which are as wind yea you're overwhelmed the fatherless and you dig it uh, dig a pit for your friend now therefore be content look upon me for it is evident unto you If I lie, return, I pray you, uh, let it not be iniquity. Yea, return again my righteousness in it. Is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? So Job asks his friends to tell him the sin for which they believe God is punishing him. Tell me. He will welcome some honest criticism, but not groundless insinuations. Hey, if you can give me something substantial, something real. Uh, listen, Job was a righteous man. I believe he was doing everything he could to walk with God. And and he, let my secret sins be known. But but listen, he, hey, this isn't the kind of friend we want to be. Sometimes we just need to allow somebody to express their feelings without a response. Uh, Job in, in chapter 3 was just expressing how he felt and then all of a sudden... Eliphaz thinks he's got all the answers. He just needed some kindness. And so Job, he continues this reply in chapter 7. He compares himself to a slave or a hired servant, uh, concluding that his condition is worse. It says, Is there any appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of an hireling? A servant earnestly desireth a shadow, and an hireling looketh for the reward of his work. So am I made to possess months of vati and worsome nights are appointed me. <clears throat> he's having a hard time. <laughs> uh, and, and he's going through it. Some people are afraid to vent their true feelings to friends or to God, but Job is not. Uh, his prayer is a great model for all of us. And, and it really sums up in chapter or verse 11 in chapter 7. It says, Therefore I will not refrain my mouth, I will speak in uh, the anguish of my spirit I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. There is good to be done when you express how you feel. I believe that. There's a right place to do that. I mean, we won't go around belly aching to everybody. But Job, uh, I think, was finding relief in expressing how he was feeling about how uh, the the situation of his, his, his life was going. In verse 20 and 21 in chapter 7, it says, I have sinned. What shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Why hast thou set me a mark against thee so that I am a burden to myself? And why uh, dost thou not pardon my transgression and take away mine iniquity? For now shall I sleep in the dust and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. Job, he... Is wondering what despicable sin he has committed to deserve such suffering. He himself, like I said, is asking the same questions that Eliphaz is, is accusing him of. Uh, God should know because he is the preserver of humanity. He's saying God knows. He asks why God has made him his mark or target. Job goes on and says, Why doesn't God just pardon his transgression and take away his iniquity so his suffering will be over? he, he wants it to end. He wants God to forgive him and to be done with it. Job says he will soon be in the grave, so if God is going to forgive him, he needs to do it quickly in the latter part of that chapter. How long wilt thou not depart from me, nor let me alone till, verse 19, till I swallow down my spittle? I have sinned, what shall I do? In verse 21, why dost thou not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now shall I sleep in the dust, and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. He's just begging for God to do something here. He doesn't understand. Understanding Job's frustration and anger, God simply allows him to vent his feelings. Psalm 6 and verse 2 says this, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are vexed. I believe that's a good thing to pray after you've expressed your distress to your God. Listen, In that prayer, David, I believe, wrote that psalm is asking for mercy, not justice. I think the psalmist understood, and he realizes that uh, he does not deserve relief, but he's asking for mercy. His bones being vexed or troubled refers to that inner turmoil. Listen, sometimes we just need to go to God and say, God, be merciful unto me. I can't do it, but listen, our God understands. And so express those things to Him and ask for mercy. Listen, we ought to be there to encourage those that are hurting. And I want to remind you today, allow God to do the convicting. Just be there for them. Don't try to explain what God's doing in their life. Because you don't know. You may think that you know, but you don't. God has the big picture. You do not. And so definitely don't make any assumptions or start to rationalize what you think is going on. Listen, if you don't know what to say, don't say anything. And and listen, sometimes we say things in the form of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you get a hold of their heart. That's probably not always the best thing to do. Again, it may be due at some times. But what I'm saying is don't assume that you know what God's doing. And just be an encouragement, be kind. This Christian walk is it about a relationship, not conforming to some standard that we perceive is the epitome of being a Christian. And oftentimes when we see somebody going through circumstances in life, we make an assumption that because they're in these situations, something's not right. The reality is they might very well have a closer walk with God than you ever did. As in the case of Job, I would say, in Eliphaz and his, his two other friends. He was walking with God. And God allowed difficulties to come in his life. When difficulties come in your life, trust Him. Just trust the Lord. He will work things out and bring things to pass. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day, Lord. I pray that You would just help us to be an encouragement to those that are hurting. Lord, give us wisdom and know how to be a blessing and encouragement to others that are hurting. And I pray, Lord, that You would just strengthen our hearts, that we can trust You in all the circumstances of life. Lord, when the things are going good, but when the things are going bad as well, Lord, that we would just trust you. And Father, now we pray for the service to follow. We ask that you would meet with us. Fill this place with your spirit. I pray that you would touch each and every heart. I pray that nobody would leave this facility today without knowing Christ as their Savior. Lord, if there's the loss here today, Lord, I pray that you would work in their heart, fill us with your spirit, guide and direct us to talk with that person. And I pray, Lord, you just draw them to yourself. And Father, we pray that you'd just encourage believers today through your word and the fellowship. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.